That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all of the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all of the scripture the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. When they were told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. There is a power that is unlike any power. That is the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 that the greatest power that he had ever known in his life was Jewish power. The power of his ethnicity was the power to sustain him, the power to lift him, the power to embolden him, until he met Jesus. And then he said, that power, he considered that power as nothing. In fact, less than nothing. He considered that power to be garbage in comparison to the power 
of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about this morning. Did you hear what I said? That's what we get to talk about this morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's not even Easter. <laughs> it feels like Easter. And it's October. And we get to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're visiting here at Ace Point Church, let me say <laughs> welcome to you this morning. So glad the Lord would have you to come and to fellowship with us here at East Point Church. If you're doing your time with us, if we can encourage you in any time, any way, please let us know how. It would be our delight to serve you and answer any questions that you have while you're with us. We've been going through a series of messages on the Gospel of Luke. We're wrapping up these next two weeks. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 24 uh, as we get to the end, and we're looking at this passage here on the, uh, Jesus and those he came to save, and we're looking at Jesus as he encounters these two disciples on the road to Emmaus on the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us as we look at this wonderful, wonderful encounter these two disciples had with the resurrected Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for your presence, your power, and your pleasure this morning in the midst of your people. Be with us now as we meditate upon your word together. We ask in Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. For the R&B enthusiast among us, you might recall the name Dinah Washington. Amen. Amen. She was an R&B jazz artist and star in the 50s, born in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but she made her name nationwide in the 50s, mostly known when she made a number one hit. Most of you will probably be familiar with it. What a difference a day makes. 24 little hours. What a difference a day makes. You got that, Pastor Phil? 24 little hours. Brought the sun and the flowers where there used to be rain. What a difference a day makes. Think about that, beloved. What a difference one day makes. 
What difference one day made in the life of the disciples? What a difference one day made in the life of the early Christians. What a difference one day made in the history of the world. What a difference one day made. One day there was a body in a tomb. And the next day, the tomb was empty. What a difference a day makes. One day, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. And the next day, you are alive in Christ. What a difference a day makes. One day, you are bound in sin and nature's night. And then the next day, you're free and walking in the light of Christ. What a difference a day makes. What a difference a day makes. Beloved, do you realize that there is often often a suddenness to the Christian life. A change that is often wrought in the life of a believer that is seemingly overnight and often inexplicable. Oftentimes, inexplicable, and, 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 and people around you are often left bewildered, and they often are left asking the question, what happened to you? What happened to you? I mean, has, 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 God, has God ever did something in your life? or around your life, or around you, that left you saying, what just happened? What just happened? Because he can, and, and if he hasn't, then you just keep living. Just keep living, because he will. This is what happened to the disciples in our text this morning. This is what happened to the disciples in our text this morning who just happened to be on the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus after an eventful Passover weekend in the city. You look at our text. Hey, Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Notice how it begins. Verse 13, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Notice how it says, now that same day. What day? What day? That same day. What day? 
Well, the day was the day of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That day. The day of the resurrection. You see that in Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. Verse 1 of the chapter tells us it was that day, the first day of the week. It was that day, the day in which Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of Joseph, and some of the other women had gone to the tomb to dress Jesus, Jesus' body, and they found that the tomb was empty. It was that day. It was that day that the news was spreading that they had gone to the tomb and they had found that the tomb was empty and that they had found that the body of Jesus was missing. It was on that day. It was that day that the rumors were spreading. It was that day that the two of them was lead, they, the two of them was leaving Jerusalem, heading back to Emmaus. The two of them. Who was them? Who was them? Them is the company of the disciples. Notice what it says. Now on that day, two of them. Who was them? Two of the company of the disciples, the followers of Jesus who had accompanied him to Jerusalem for the Passover. Don't miss that. We tend to focus our attention on the 12 disciples. We tend to focus our attention on the 12 disciples of Jesus listed in the Bible, headed up by Peter, James, and John. But Jesus had more than 12 disciples, beloved. He had many disciples. Many disciples. There was Mary and Martha. They were disciples of Jesus. And Lazarus. They were disciples of Jesus. There was Joseph of Arimathea. There was Nicodemus. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1 that Jesus sent out some 72 disciples to preach the coming kingdom of God. And so it was. And so it was when Jesus entered into Jerusalem for the last time, for that last supper, the Bible tells us that he came into Jerusalem with many disciples. He came in with a crowd, and many of that crowd were his disciples. Many came with him, believing in him, trusting him, believing that he was the Messiah who had come to save Israel. Remember in Mark chapter 11, in verse 9, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, what were they singing? Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And many in that crowd 
were those who were believing in him and trusting in him, believing that he was the one who had come from God to save them. And now, and now, having sung at the beginning of the week, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Now many of those same now were leaving Jerusalem. They were disciples, but now they were disappointed. They were downcast. They were dispirited. They were no longer singing Hosanna, Hosanna. Now they were singing, Mary, don't you weep. And Martha, don't you moan. Beloved, I think, I, I think it's hard it's hard to, to get to understand just how disconcerting the events of the weekend would have been. I mean, you think about this. The crucifixion of Jesus would have not only been dramatic it would have been traumatic. I mean, the only person, the only person, we think about the crucifixion of Jesus looking back on it. Okay? We look back on it being privy to all the information. Okay? We look back on it knowing that it's going to happen. The only one who anticipated Jesus going to Jerusalem to being crucified was Jesus. Jesus is the only one who had any inkling that he was going to be crucified. Can you imagine how traumatic an experience that would have been for all those disciples to see Jesus there on the cross? That was the furthest thing from their minds. when they got to Jerusalem. And there he was. Crucified. Crucified. This would have been a shock to the collective body of disciples. They had gone, beloved, they had gone into Jerusalem in hope. Their hope was flying high. 
They had seen the miracles. I mean, they had heard the words of Jesus and the promises of God of eternal life. This was supposed to be a new day. They were on their way to Jerusalem. This was going to be a new king. They had believed what Isaiah 43 and 19 said long before DC Talk came along. This was going to be, God was doing a new thing. This was it. And Jesus was going to be it. Jesus was him. And then just like that, Oh, snap. Jesus is gone. What? Jesus is gone. Just like that. Gone. Just like that. Dream gone. Hope gone. Langston Hughes says, what happens? to a dream deferred, dries up like a raisin in the sun. That's what they were, raisin in the sun. That's what those two disciples were on a road to Emmaus. They were raisins in the sun, raisins in the sun. And as they walked away from Jerusalem, beloved, they were walking away from hope. They were walking away from their dream. And in one sense, beloved, they were walking away from Jesus. They were. They're walking away from their dream. They're walking away from their hope. And in one sense, in their mind, they're walking away from Jesus. But you know what? Praise be to God. Jesus was not walking away from them. Because you know what? He never does. He never does. And notice what the Bible says in verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. They are walking away. And Jesus came up and walked along with them. Jesus pulled up on them, Pastor Phil. Because that's what he does. Jesus pulled up on them. Now listen, listen to this. This is, this is absolutely amazing, beloved. And amazingly, and amazingly, they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him because... Let's take a deep breath. They didn't recognize him 
because they were disciples, but they were not close. And it showed. They were disciples, but they were not close. And when Jesus showed up, they didn't know him. They followed Jesus. Say it again, sister. <laughs> at a distance. They followed Jesus, but they followed at a distance. They were with him, but they were just in the crowd. They had been with him close enough to get some of the blessings, but not close enough that it would cost them anything. Y'all know what I mean. Close enough that they would get the blessings, but not close enough that it would cost them anything. They would come to church, but they wouldn't stay too long. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, we're not going to stay too long. They would come enough to give them money, but they wouldn't give too much of their time, Pastor Phil. No, it would cost them that. They wouldn't go give them that much. No, they know about Jesus, but nothing too much of his personal work. Don't ask them too much or too many questions. They don't want to get too serious. Don't ask them to get too personal about their relationship with the Lord. Don't make it too personal. Don't make it so it costs me much. Don't make it so I really got to know him. Recently, I was speaking with a young lady about seeking the Lord's best for her life. And I asked her about it, and she looked at me like I had asked her. I was speaking a foreign language. She was not even sure she even knew what that meant. And if God was even concerned about such things. And I was left to ask the question, Beloved, would you even recognize the Lord's voice this morning if he was to speak to you? Would you identify, be able to identify his presence if he came and desired to sup with you? Would, would his presence be a strange thing to you this morning or would your understanding be in the dark? Jesus appeared to these disciples. But because these disciples were distant and disappointed, they were in the dark. They were in the dark. And yet, 
Here is the amazing thing. Jesus didn't leave him there. Notice the amazing grace and goodness of our Lord to encourage his disciples this morning. Don't, don't worry, beloved. If you're here this morning and you feel you're in the dark, the Lord, the Lord is here. Don't worry. If you feel distant, you don't have to be distant anymore. If you feel in the dark, the light's going on this morning. You don't have to be distant anymore. You don't have to be in the dark anymore. The Lord is walking this morning in the midst of his sheep. He has come this morning, and you know what he asked? He asked you this morning what he asked these disciples in verse 17. What are y'all talking about? What are y'all talking about? Verse 17, he asked those boys, what are y'all talking about? What's got you boys so down? What are y'all talking about? What got you boys so down? And then in verse 18, they responded. Don't you know what just happened? Where have you been the last couple of days? Now, beloved, listen to me. The irony of all ironies, beloved, is that Jesus is the only one who really knows what has happened these last couple of days. And that's why he's there. It's like the time when he was with his disciples out on the boat in Mark chapter 4. When the disciples were out there and, and the ship was out on the sea and the storm came and Jesus was in the ship and he was asleep. And the disciples were afraid of the great storm and they went and they woke Jesus up and the storm was tossing the ship and they went down and they woke Jesus up and they said, Jesus, Jesus. And they woke him up in Mark chapter 4 and verse 38 and the old King James, they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Well, beloved... Jesus is the only one who really cares. Of course he cares. Nobody cares more than Jesus. What kind of question is that? These are the senseless questions that we ask of God all the time. I'm amazed how many times I ask God senseless questions. God, did you hear what he said to me? Of course he heard what he said to me. God, did you see what he did to me? Of course God sees what he did to me. Of course, beloved, God sees, God knows, God knows all about the disappointments. God sees all of the doubts. God knows all about the desperate moments. And yet, and yet, beloved, and yet, notice what Jesus says. In his grace and in his mercy, they ask Jesus, do you not know? Where have you been? Have you been under a rock? Jesus said to them, hmm. tell me all about it. <laughs> 
me all about it. And they began, beloved. Notice this. They began, ironically, to tell Jesus about their lost hope in Jesus. They began to tell Jesus about their lost hope in Jesus. They had hoped that Jesus was the prophet of God. They had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah of God. They had hoped that Jesus was going to deliver them. They had hoped that Jesus was going to usher in the new kingdom of heaven. But the chief priests and the rulers had arrested him and crucified him. And even though, even though they had heard reports and there had been rumors of angels and empty tombs, they were not sure at this point what to believe about all of that stuff. And so they thought that their hope now had died on the cross and their hope had been buried and left for dead in a grave. Their ship of their soul was tossed and like Gilligan, all hope had been lost. Done. That's what happened. Except, beloved, they forgot one thing, one amazing thing here on the Emmaus Road. Hope is not just born. But for the disciples of Jesus, there are moments in which hope is born again. Do you know that? In our lives, hope is not just born, but there are moments in our lives where hope gets born again. Born again, born again, and here is one of those amazing moments when hope gets born anew, born again, born again, where we are, as Peter says, born anew to a living hope, born again, born again, and Jesus looks at them in verse 25 and says, oh foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning the, the things concerning himself. There is something amazing here, beloved. Something gracious and amazing. 
loving and kind in our Lord's way with his disciples this morning that I don't want us to miss. The risen Savior, the risen Savior's first appearance, y'all do understand. This is the Lord Jesus, very first appearance, okay? He didn't appear to Mary and Martha. It wasn't there. That was just the angels, okay? This is the very first appearance of the Lord Jesus. His first appearance is not to Peter. It's not to James. It's not to John or Andrew. But he comes to a little known brother named Cleotus. Who is Cleotus? Who is that brother Cleotus? I know it says, I'll call him Cleotus. That's what we would call him. We would call him Cleotus. Okay? Cleotus. Who is Cleotas? I don't know. And you don't either. It doesn't matter. Jesus knew him. Others, others may not care. Listen, listen, beloved. Others may not care about the little slow faith of the little-known disciples from Emmaus. But Jesus did. Jesus did. Yes, they were foolish and of little faith. But a little faith this morning is better than no faith at all. A little faith is better than no faith at all. Oh, do you see the patience and kindness of Jesus this morning, how he is willing to walk and talk with us in the midst of our doubts and our fears this morning. He comes to us doubting disciples in the light of Isaiah 50, 42 and verse 3, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. This is the grace and the patience of the Lord this morning, beloved. He is patient. He is kind. How many times, how many times had Jesus been with them and they had not fully believed? How many miracles had they seen? How many sermons had they heard? How many meals had they shared? And yet their faith was still small. 
yet no worries. Jesus was still with them. How many times? How many times, Pastor Phil? How many sermons? How many Bible studies? How many prayer meetings? How many? How many? How many? And the Lord is still kind. He is still faithful. He is still there. He's still with you. He is still striving. No worries. He had promised to be with them. He was still with them. He had called them. He was going to keep them. Others may have given up on them. Jesus was not. He looked upon them with love. He looked upon them with kindness, his grace, and his patience. And you know what he said? This is amazing. In his patience and in his kindness, in verse 27 and chapter 24, he says, okay, boys, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Let's take it from the beginning. And <laughs> this is amazing, beloved. He said, let's just start at the beginning. We've done this before. <laughs> let's, let's do it again. <laughs> let's take it from the beginning. And, and what Jesus did and what he said to those brothers on the road to Emmaus, I don't know. We don't know for sure. I, can't, I can only guess and I can only wonder. But, but surely Jesus reminded them that Jesus is who the Bible says that Jesus is. And he probably took them to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And he told them that he is the seed of the woman who was coming to crush the head of the seed of the serpent. That Jesus is who the Bible says that Jesus is. They probably took him to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 5. That he is the lamb without blemish who takes, whose blood takes away our sin. That the, Jesus is who the Bible says that Jesus is. They took him to Numbers chapter 21 and verse 9. That he is, the, he is the serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so too must the Son of Man be lifted up. That Jesus is who the Bible says that Jesus is. And then maybe he took him to Psalm 1 and 1. That he is the man that walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but is he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, because Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And then maybe he went by Psalm 22 and 1, that he is the one forsaken, not for his own sins, but for the sins of others. Why? Because Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Then maybe he took him by Psalms 118, that he is a stone who the builders rejected, but now has become the chief cornerstone. Why? Because Jesus is 
who the Bible says he is. Then maybe he went by Isaiah 53, that he is the one who despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Why? Because Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Then he went on in Isaiah 53 and 5. Why? Because he is the one who is wounded for our transgressions, who is crushed for our iniquities. Why? Because Jesus is who the Bible says he is. All the way back to Emmaus. Jesus excavated all the way back. Jesus illuminated all the way back. He explained the Bible over and over again, all the way back to Emmaus. Because Jesus is who the Bible says he is. Explain all the events of the weekend. And as they drew near to the home, And as they drew near to the house, they became more and more encouraged. They were thankful. And though they didn't know it was Jesus, they were thankful for the preacher. <laughs> you thankful for the preacher this morning? He's not Jesus. You can be thankful for the preacher this morning. They were thankful for the preacher pointing them to Jesus. Thankful for being reminded that they had hope. Thankful for being reminded of why they first believed. Thankful for being reminded of their first love. Thankful for being reminded once again and so they reached their home, and they asked the preacher to come and stay. Break bread with us. Stay. We're grateful. We're thankful. We want to break bread with you. Come to our home. We're disciples again. Coming at home, we want to talk about Jesus some more. Let's talk about Jesus again. Let's have a meal and break some bread. They were thankful. And then it happened. And then it happened, beloved. Beloved. There came an existential moment. A moment of clarity. Of, of what one preacher called a holy, heavenly heartburn. You ever have it? That moment of sanctified clarity where suddenly you realize 
and your eyes are open and now your life's conversation is no longer about Jesus, but now your life's conversation is with Jesus. You are no longer talking about Jesus, Brother Anthony. Now you spend your time talking with Jesus. I'm not talking about Jesus anymore. I'm talking with Jesus every day. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking to him. That changes everything. And it changes in a day. Changes everything. Suddenly they realize it. What a difference a day makes. Boom, just like that. And guess what happens? Guess what happens? This isn't a conversation. I'm not talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know. I'm not talking about some rumors. I know Jesus is alive. I'm not talking about what those women or somebody telling you. I know Jesus is alive. Boom. I know for myself. And guess what? I'm not staying in Emmaus. I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm not staying in Emmaus. I'm heading back to Jerusalem. I'm not worried about them rulers. I'm not worried about them chief priests. I'm going back to Jerusalem. I'm finding Peter. I'm finding John. I'm not staying on the outside anymore. I'm getting close. I'm staying close. I'm getting in. I'm staying in. Because I'm not talking about Jesus anymore. I'm talking with Jesus every day. I'm talking with him. Why? Because I got to run. I got to run. I got to run. I, I, I cannot tell. I cannot tell just how you felt. When Jesus washed your sins away. But since that day, ever since that hour, God has been real, for I can feel his holy power. Yes, God is real. He's real in my soul. Yes, God is real, for he has washed and made me whole. His love for me is like pure gold. Yes, God is real. Oh, I can feel him in my soul. What a difference, Brother Eric, a day makes. Let's pray.